Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Coach of the year, make him coach of the decade. There's Brian Dable hobnobbing with the fans while he's got in his left hand a little victory cigar. Oh, yeah. Not coach of the year, coach of the decade. Brian Dayball, he was asked after the win yesterday over the Jaguars if he's happy with the fact that his team is 6-1. and one. Here's what he had to say. Sounds like even though you're 6-1, and one, maybe for a personal while they're not really happy with a lot of things when Well, I'm never really happy, ever. Uh, you know, it's always on to the next week. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we won. Uh, but, you know, there's, like I say every week, there's certain things to clean up, and this week's no exception. And that's always the case. Tom Brady said that earlier. You're trying to do yep. certain things. The other team's trying to do other things. The question is, whose will wins? Who's able to do the things that they want to do? That's why it's never going to be perfect. Didn't we have that conversation at one point about, like, the perfect game? You're never going to have the perfect game when yes, your opponent we did have that conversation. is opposing yeah, you. Last week or two weeks is ago. opposing you. At every turn, but Jason Garrett was talking about that last night. You shouldn't try, strive for perfection. You should strive for excellence because perfection uh-huh. is never going to happen on a football field. It's never going right. to happen. You're never going to play a complete total four-quarter game because the other team is trying to do the exact same thing. So, Brian Dayball, just one game at a time, punching your ticket, punching your ticket, getting a win, doing what you have to take, whatever it takes, whatever the circumstances of that game require, do what it takes – the only stat that ever matters is points scored versus points allowed when that clock strikes zero each and every week. And they've, they've been able to do it more often than not. Their only loss is to the Cowboys. It's mm-hmm. impressive. Just like the other one-loss team in the NFC, the Vikings, their only loss is to the Eagles. Like, they're winning the games yeah. they're supposed to win. If you're able to win the games you're supposed to win, you lay the foundation for potentially great things. And you get your team to believe that teams that maybe they shouldn't beat – Perhaps they can beat. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, that quote that we were playing from Brian Dable reminds me of one of my favorite Don Draper quotes. He says, what is happiness but a moment before you need more happiness? 
It's like, yeah, I'm not really happy. I mean, I'm glad that we won. Obviously, that's what they work for. And right now, when you're six and one, and like you said, Mike, they're laying the foundation of what they want the Giants to be, of the kind of football that they want to play, defending every single blade of grass. That last play was real darn close, right? When you have a play that's that close and you've got to make that tackle at that yard line, it just tells you the kind of belief that everybody's got that, hey, when it comes down to it, we're going to make the play we need to make and we're going to do it. And it doesn't matter, you know, you can put whatever you want at us, you can throw whatever you want to throw at us. We're going to defend every single blade of grass until that clock strikes zero. And I thought it was a really, really darn good win. And, you know, the Jaguars have disappointed me so far, especially after the way they looked early coming out here and beating the brakes off the Chargers at SoFi. So, I mean, this is not necessarily the like quality, quality win that some of us may want it to be or whatever it is. But look, if you're the Giants, you got to play the teams on your schedule. You got to beat the teams on your schedule. And they've done that. They're six and one. When you stack these kinds of wins early, it makes the end of the season that much easier for you. And and the Jaguars were two and one, and they were up 14 nothing over the Eagles in Philadelphia. And since that moment, it's all yeah. fallen apart. And Come here on, they are. Jags. Two and five with a typical Ugh. Jaguars record. Just as we were coming to terms with the idea that they might be good, they went. The I other said direction. they were going to win now, the division. Now they made me look like an ass. Now you're doing all right on your own. You don't need any help from the Jaguars. I don't just... blame them. Don't blame them. <laughs> it is funny though how the preseason predictions. It's just we really do, nobody knows. Nobody has any idea what's going to happen and that's part of the fun it's fun as a fan it's horrible as somebody who does what we do and we're expected to know all i know is i don't know and nobody else knows sit back and watch the 272 regular season games and find out one thing we're finding out daniel jones finally getting it together they're gonna have some interesting times here in new york jones is becoming a free agent saquon barkley's becoming a free agent both players kind of important at the success of the team this year here's brian dayball from after yesterday's win talking about the performance of danny dimes played good um you know we uh everybody knows we have saquon so it's it's sledding you know tough sledding early i thought kafka did a great job coming out throwing um moved the ball down scored on that first drive Kept them honest. It's you know it's never going to be pretty. There's, there's usually going to be stacked boxes, and it might be one or two. And you know as long as we keep doing it, but with the added element of I'd say Daniel today, which would he have over 100 yards I think, and then threw for 200 or whatever. Yeah, I mean, played good again. Played you know really the way we need him to play. And uh, playing his way into that second contract with the Giants or someone else. I remember when they did not pick up the option on Jones' rookie contract, extending it by a fifth year, and they would have been in line to pay him about $25, 27000000 million for next year, fully guaranteed the moment they exercise it. They were betting against him. They were betting that he was not going to become the guy that he's become, and the attitude was, Joe Shane explained this to me on PFTPM, good problem to have if he ends up having a great year and we have to sign him to a new contract or franchise tag. I mean, I think that may be where it's headed. They may just have to franchise tag the guy if they can't get him signed. 
to a long-term deal because so far he's looking good now. Will he stay healthy? Who knows? Can he keep it up? Who knows? We're seven games in. Whatever they're doing that's working, there's enough film out there now that defenses can figure it out. But he's, he's a great dual threat. And you've got a coach who was closely involved with Josh Allen the past few years doing similar things with Daniel Jones. Throwing the ball, running the ball, 107 rushing yards yesterday. That was a career high. 202 passing yards. A double, triple as MDS yeah. has coined it. Lamar Jackson, far and away the all-time leader there. But chalk one up for Danny Dimes. He got his first one yesterday, and uh, the Giants look good. You've put in 110 yards for Saquon Barkley as well, and um, they're, they're, they are well on their way. And my only hope, Miles, I said this last week. Sims and I were talking about it. You get these teams that start great, 6-1 and one Giants, 5-1 mm-hmm. and one Vikings, and – I really hope that they don't falter because I don't want to be, to have a situation where when we get into December and January, there are teams that struggled at the outset that are making their kick and getting better yes. and playing better than right. the Giants, Vikings, and other teams that started strong but are falling apart. I want the hot teams that are playing well at the end of the season to be the ones that get into the playoffs. But as you fatten your record up September and October, I mean, think about it. Six and one. There's ten games left. If you go five hundred, if you go five hundred, you're eleven and six. If you go yep. four and six, you're ten and seven. If you go yep. three and seven, you're still nine and eight, and maybe the seven seed. You can fall apart and still get in. You win six out of seven games. So, you know the and 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 hey, maybe the fact that Brian Dayball isn't going to look at the record. He's going to have the victory cigar. I got no problem with that, but he's not going to get caught up in the record and, hey, we're, we're in good position. No, you're only in good position when you know you're good enough to win when it's time to play Philadelphia in the postseason, time to play Dallas in the postseason, time to play whoever emerges in the NFC West, maybe the Seahawks, in the postseason. That's mm-hmm. when you're going to find out, and that's what people are going to remember. Yeah, for sure. But look, going six and one to start the season and to start your tenure as a head coach sure doesn't hurt. Okay. Right. And okay. and I think, you know, you talk about Daniel Jones. Look, I mean, he he's playing with a lot of confidence and I don't understand really why the Jaguars just didn't see him as a run threat. It's not like we haven't seen Daniel Jones run the ball before. And that wasn't brand new. And they acted like it was something that they just never seen. Oh my gosh. How I've never seen him run on film. Like, yeah, you have, I'm sorry, but you shouldn't be giving up double triples to Daniel Jones. Probably. Like, like, and you know, come on, Jags, we can do a little bit better than that. Um, and it's not that I shouldn't, you know, take away anything from Daniel Jones. Obviously, he has to do a good job of actually executing the plays, but still. So he looks like he's playing with a lot of confidence to me. And I thought it was kind of funny that, you know, the cameras caught him saying, you know, catch the ball after a drop. And then he says after the game, like, oh, yeah, I kind of lost my cool there. You know, I, I shouldn't do things like that. Like, no, man, stick with it. I love it. I love the fire. Let's go. You know, you're the quarterback of that team. If Tom Brady can go do it and Tom Brady's, you know, leaving meetings and not there for the dog days of camp, then sure as hell you can do it, bro. Let's go. Show that fire. I like it, Daniel. Don't apologize. That's how you win. You have a quarterback that holds players accountable the same Absolutely. way a coach does. We already talked about it. The, the quarterback has even greater credibility with the player. And that's how Peyton Manning became so damn great. He had all yep. those guys scared to death of him. They were yeah. scared to piss off Peyton Manning. I better not drop this pass. I'm going to have to deal with Peyton so you don't drop the pass. 
I mean, it's a fear-based motivation. And uh, somebody who has spent his entire life, uh, you know, with fear-based motivation, it kind of works. It kind of it kind of gets you to to mind your p's and q's if you're more worried about what can happen badly instead of focused on the good things that can happen. Wow. Good things happening for the New York Jets for the most part. We'll, we'll we'll pause on the philosophical conversation for now. Just work with me on this. But the Jets are now five and two. The New York teams. And I know Bills fans get upset when I lump they in do. the Giants and Jets. Oh, they're not. They do. They're not, they're they're not New York. They're, oh, they're not. They're not. Yes, they're, they're not they're in not. New York at all. They play in New Jersey. That's the Meadowlands. There's only one real New York team. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 They don't well, like that. My best friends doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> Despite the fact that they are called the New York Jets and the New York Giants and the stadium isn't that far away it just so happens to be located on the other side of the border it's still new york the jets are five and two they beat the broncos i was stunned last week that the jets were one point underdogs even before we knew it was going to be brett rippon at quarterback instead of russell wilson it's like why are the jets one point underdogs in this game what am i missing here same thing with the the you got both New York teams riding high on the road against two and four teams, and they were both underdogs. The Giants were three points, and the Jets were one point. I assume the line moved once it went from Russell Wilson to it Brett did. Rippon. But the Jets get it done. 16-9 to is the victory. Their first four-game winning streak since 2015. Wow. Brees Hall, though, here's the bad news. They fear that he's out for the season with a torn ACL. Uh, and uh, you pick up the pieces and you keep going, but he was becoming a tremendous asset for that offense. He was having a huge impact on what they were doing, and this is just another example of what happens when you're a running back. Rashad Penny talked about this four days before he broke his leg. You are constantly running into contact with large, strong, fast men. You are going to get injured. You're going to get injured. It's just going to happen in football as a running back. And it's unfortunate that it happened to Brees Hall. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, when you've got a young kid and he's playing the way that he was playing and really helping pilot that offense, it just really is a shame because now, I mean, despite how good that scheme is, you still are not playing the same caliber of player as you were before. And, you know, when you're watching a guy emerge and you're seeing a team get some success that hasn't had a lot of success in the last few years, and you know it's in large part because of that one player, man, it just it, – the whole situation really stinks. It's just one of the unfortunate realities of football. And one of the unfortunate realities for the Broncos, they weren't able to go forward with Russell Wilson. He rarely misses games. He's got the grade – Two hamstring strain, partial tear. You know, I think some people in his camp making sure everybody knows. I, I, I've been meaning to write something about this because the whole conversation about the Russell Wilson injury violates one of the basic Bill Parcells viewpoints on football. You never talk about injuries because it's either an excuse for poor performance or you look like a hero if you perform well. Either way, it separates mm-hmm. individual from team and there's already enough separation of russell wilson from team as it stands this will only make it worse and now you've got these questions with the broncos about will they trade off bradley chubb or other players available you know they traded away von miller last year and they were four and four 
Well, they're two and five right now, and hey, I, I don't. I think that that uh, the folks in England may be trying to send this next game back for a refund or something. Two and five Broncos, two and five Jaguars, but it will be dripping with some storylines here. One of them is: Is Nathaniel Hackett going to survive if they lose that game? He was a little testy yesterday, so you know the Broncos, whether it's Rippin or whether it's Wilson, they're just not getting it done offensively, and they have embarrassed new ownership at a two and five record. Miles, for as good as the Jets are feeling, the exact opposite is where the Broncos are. Yeah, it's never good when you're going to go overseas and you don't know who your quarterback is going to be on that Monday. I mean, the, the Giants were able to overcome it a few weeks ago, but, you know, I'm not really as confident in Nathaniel Hackett and his ability to uh, make sure that that thing is going to stay okay as I am in Brian Dayball and his ability to make sure to stay, to make sure that thing is going to stay okay. So, yeah, you know, when, I, when the whole thing about Russell Wilson came out about him not playing on Sunday, my, my thought was, well, why are they, why is this leaking? Why are they announcing this? And I mean, I think it goes to what you're saying about injuries and separating yourself from the team, making yourself either look like a hero later or whatever. You're providing an excuse. And you know, all good teams that know how to do different things, we would not have learned that Russell Wilson was start, not going to start until Sunday because they keep those things in house. That's something that you need to keep in house. They're not traveling, right? When you travel, then that's when you need to make the announcement that some guy has been downgraded from questionable to out. Why are, why are we making this a publicly available knowledge that Russell Wilson got downgraded from questionable to out because we have a walkthrough on Saturday and that's when we find that out. That's something you need to keep in house. And I don't I mean, I'm in the information sharing business, so it's better for us when something like that happens and we learn it earlier, but it does not benefit the team in any way to let the Jets know that Russell Wilson is not starting. So that's one of those things where I'm looking at that and I'm saying there's a little bit of dysfunction there just from an internal standpoint of how is information about our players getting out such that we then make the announcement as the Denver Broncos because it leaks that Russell Wilson's been downgraded from questionable to out. Uh, that's not a good look. I remember they were trying to set it up as a game day thing. It's a game day decision, game time decision. They were going to try to keep it under wraps, but at some point they decided, well, we better just give Brett Rippon the the reps at the walkthrough practice, and, and we know it's going to get out if we do that. But you're right. It speaks to a level of dysfunction. And we mentioned, I know we're going to take a break, but you mentioned Brian Dable. And how he's getting it done and how they were able to weather the storm of who the quarterback is going to be. They went to London and they shoved the effing cheese up the Packers' butt. But uh, we find out when a coordinator becomes a coach, that is the most dramatic transition that an NFL coach can make. From assistant to the guy in charge. Some guys step up. Some guys don't. Dayball is... And Hackett, I'm sorry, through seven games, I know it's too early to make broad observations. Well, I can make this observation. Hackett's over his skis, and he is. Will he get better? I don't know. But at some point, you are who you are. And if you're ever going to get better, it would have happened at some point in this grind of game, 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 week, week, week. Are you going to figure it out? Are you going to learn on the fly here? Do you even have the capacity to understand what you're doing wrong and how you need to do it 
better. Remember, they went and hired him a coach, a coach to help the coach coach after a couple of games. What's that done for them? They're two and, and then five. he said that we we got the go ahead to go for it on fourth down. Like, what do you mean you got yeah. the go ahead? You are the go ahead. You are the head uh, yeah. coach. What are you talking about? That was wild. He reminds me of Freddie Kitchens with the Browns in 2019. I'm telling you, what I would do if I were the Walmart multi-billionaires that bought that team and have made enough money in the time we've been talking about this to finance the buyout for Nathaniel Hackett. Oh, wait, now they can finance it again. Wait, they can finance it a third time. Wait, there's even more money coming in. Yeah, so I I would fire Nathaniel Hackett if they lose on Sunday or maybe if they win. And let E.J. Evero show me what you can do. Here you go. Let's see. Let's make it defense. Let's be like the Seahawks were when they had Russell Wilson. He was playing at a high level. We're going to run through the defense here. we got a great defense. The defense is going to carry the day. The offense is going to supplement the defense. We're still going to focus on both halves. We're not going to make it all offense, especially if the offense isn't good enough. Let's see what Evero can do. He's going to go somewhere else and be someone's head coach. Maybe he could be ours. Maybe we can get the benefit of it. Maybe we can see what he can do and make a decision about whether or not he can step up. They're just finding out that Hackett can't. Let's let Evero try because maybe he's going to be the guy who's the far better coach between the two. Maybe we hired the wrong guy to be the head coach. That's what I would do. Sorry, Nathaniel Hackett. It's tough business. It's the way it works. I'd say eight games is enough to come to the conclusion that he just doesn't have it. Let's go ahead and take a break. We're going to hand out some Week 7 superlatives when this Monday edition of PFT Live presented by Google Pixel. Let me try that again. Presented by Google Pixel continues right after this. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Now that I got a second time and we got the dub... I think I'm gonna have three glasses of Hennessy tonight and watch two of them. Man, we watch Fresh Out too. Watch Bad Boys. Two. With, with the Hennessy shirt? Yeah, I ain't got nothing to do with it. Three glasses tonight. Three glasses of Hennessy. Nothing to do with straight, man. Yeah, me a great time. The spoils of victory. You get to have some alcohol. Although Aaron Rodgers, we know, will have some alcohol if things don't go well. Either way, it's an all-purpose celebratory or drowning your sorrows or or just feeling, you know, kind of okay. For any occasion and every occasion, <laughs> any day ending in Y, drink responsibly, but, but uh, enjoy your life while you still can all right enjoy the show while you still can not because we're getting canceled but because we only have 45 minutes left today superlatives time for week seven miles simmons you are up all right let's give the not this week award to the baltimore ravens who finally didn't blow a double digit lead especially late in the fourth quarter it looked like they were going to for a second there because the Browns were doing some good things. They got a fumble. They then go down the field a little bit, and then they're driving, they're driving, and then they get a false start 
on a field goal attempt. They had a pass interference penalty that was called against Amari Cooper on third and two. And then Cade York comes in and he tries a long field goal and the thing is blocked. And Cade York said after the game, you know, if that thing doesn't get deflected, then it was going through the uprights. And maybe he was going to, you know, do the whole Justin Tucker thing in Justin Tucker's house. But it didn't happen. The Ravens were able to finish. They needed to finish. That's something that they've had a lot of problems with over the course of this year. So it's good to see them do that. I still think that they are probably the best team in the division. But I think the Cincinnati Bengals will have something to say about that, too. Although the Ravens did beat the Bengals when they played earlier this year in Baltimore, but they have a rematch coming in Cincinnati. And those divisional games become critical, critical to the final assessment of tiebreakers and whatnot if the Ravens and the Bengals would be nodded up. Well, here we are 75 minutes into the program, and I must share an email that I received earlier in the show. Headline, Why Do You Hate the Dolphins? Normally, you spend the first 30 to 40 minutes of a Monday show talking about Sunday night football until today. You spend 40 minutes talking about a quarterback that didn't have enough sense to retire on top and is starting to fail before our eyes. Let me guess. If you were smart enough to pick the right team last night, you would have spent the first 40 minutes talking about Miami. Well, I can guarantee you many things, Kevin. One is... Whether or not we would have talked about the Dolphins to start the show had nothing to do with me picking the Steelers. I was almost vindicated. I feel good about my pick of the Steelers, even though it didn't work out my way. And I say all that because now's the time. There it is. Now's the time to talk about Sunday Night Football. And the award that I'm handing out is to the Steelers secondary, the That's Why (laughs) They Play Defense Award. And Mike Tomlin said it himself. It came down to catching interceptions. The Dolphins did, and the Steelers didn't. You've got to be able to secure the ball when it hits you in the hands with those gloves on. It's like the old dartboard that was felt, and you had the little ball that had Velcro on it, and you just threw that little ball, and it would hit that dartboard and stick. That's what those gloves do. You almost have to try to drop it when the ball hits those gloves. We saw it several weeks ago against the Patriots, When the Steelers had them on the ropes, Cameron Sutton, just like last night, ball in his hands, and he drops it. You have to make that catch, even if you play defense. And I know you play defense in part because you can't consistently catch, but you still have to work on that skill because games can hinge on whether or not that defensive player, Miles, catches the ball. Absolutely. I mean, and that was just four passes that we showed from Tua Tungavailoa from last night where he could have been intercepted. There were at least a couple more, you know? So the Steelers, I really thought they were going to get it done in the end, but it just, I guess it's Kenny Pickett's uh, youth and inexperience. And, you know, you think you can make a throw that you really can't make. So that's unfortunate, but I think the Steelers. When you could they, run for they, a first down and get out of bounds and not even throw the ball. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. It's the youth and experience. He'll learn, and then we'll see what he can do. But, I, I mean, I would feel pretty good or at least a little bit better about the Steelers today than I did yesterday if I'm a Steelers fan. Wouldn't, wouldn't you? Yeah, they just got to win some games. They got to win some games. Yeah. And uh, yes, they, they're exactly. fading behind the Ravens and the Bengals. There's separation now in that division. Ravens and Bengals win. Steelers and Browns lose. Steelers got to wake up and win some games. They got the Eagles coming to town before they go into their bye. They've got two wins. They're looking at two and six going into their bye week. That makes for a very tough road on the back end. 
Sure does. It sure does. All right. Let me go to my, my second one, uh, which is uh, the how is this possible award? And that is for the Los Angeles Chargers. And we talked earlier in the show about yards per attempt and how they can kind of tell you a story about an offense. Look at this. Justin Herbert's last two games. He is averaging 4.9 yards per attempt. This is somebody who has some of the best pure arm talent in football. How is it possible that they are averaging only 4.9 yards per attempt for Justin Herbert over the last two games? There is something fundamentally broken within the Chargers offense if that is the case. And I understand that teams are going to play too high safeties. You know, they're going to try to take away the deep stuff, whatever. But you've got to get some more chunk yardage in there. All right, Justin Herbert is far too talented for this to be the case with the offense. Joe Lombardi, their offensive coordinator, has got to come up with a better counterpunch. Because right now, what the Chargers are putting out there offensively is completely unacceptable for someone who we know has some of the most arm talent in the entire sport. All right, so, you know, I, I apologize to the Seahawks because they deserve a lot of credit and they deserve to be complimented for what they did at SoFi Stadium yesterday. But with all due respect, the Chargers, they got to figure something out because they pee down their leg way too often. And it starts with the offense not being as good as it should be. The Chargers, the Roseanne, Rosanna Dan is the National Football League. It's always something for the Los Angeles Chargers. And this year it is the inexplicable failure to use Justin Herbert the way that he's designed it. I had Joe Lombardi as one of my show me somethings for Friday because his grandpa Vince would be saying, what the hell is going on out here? You've got this weapon. You've got this quarterback who was crafted in a lab and you can't get more out of him. Sean Payton will next year. (laughs) Assuming, assuming, that Dean Spanos will pay him, which I think is a point you made yesterday as we were kicking around the possibilities via text mm-hmm. message during the games. They're going to have to be ready to dig deep if they want Sean Payton, but maybe he'll give them a, a, a Justin Herbert discount for the opportunity to work with him because there's no one else out there. I mean, think about it. You're not going to get the chance to work with Josh Allen. You're not going to get the chance to work with Patrick no. Mahomes. You're going to get the chance to work with Justin Herbert. There may be some value in that cost of living is high in california i'm not taking a discount for anything all right i think sean's doing all right i think sean will be okay another guy who's doing okay is joe burrow to the point where norm van brocklin is on notice we take you back to 1951 yes it was 1951 when the single game passing yardage record was set think about how different the game was then think about all the things that they did in the 70s man to start goosing the passing game and it was Norm Van Brocklin with 554 setting the record all those years ago. The record still stands, but Joe Burrow, the guy may, who, who may be best suited to break it, he had 525 a couple of years ago. He's got fourth all-time yesterday. He had 481. At one point, it looked like, based on the first half, he was going to get to 554. One of these days, Joe Burrow is going to get to 554. I can Feel it in the air. It's just a matter of time. And, you know, you need to be in a game where there's a ton of offense. You're not blowing the other team out to the point where they would yank you in the fourth quarter. And you have reason to keep the pedal to the metal late in the game. So you almost need your defense to fail you to a certain extent to have the cause to keep throwing and throwing and throwing. Remember last year, what did it against the Ravens? And weren't the Ravens a little, weren't they a little pissy about that? 
maybe I'm misremembering my storylines from last year. I vaguely remember it was against the Ravens or two years ago. I don't know. I got to look it up now. But the bottom line is Rams quarterback Norm Van Brocklin needs to worry yeah. about that single game passing record, although he's no longer with us, so I doubt that he's worried about anything right now. Anyone who cares about the history of the game needs to be getting ready to cross out Van Brocklin and eventually put Joe Burrow at number one all-time, Miles. Yeah, it could be next Norm Van Brocklin catching a stray. What? Well, I guess he Norm is. Norm Van Brocklin no, I mean, catching a stray. Yeah, exactly. But look, I mean, the, the Bengals play the Browns next week, and with the Browns' crappy defense and that terrible secondary – you are on notice, Norm Van Brocklin. You're on notice, man. September 28, 1951, the Yanks, New York Yanks at the Los Angeles Rams, 54 to 14. So that day, they were just running it up. It wasn't even a close game. <laughs> they were like, hey, this, this throwing the football thing is working. Let's keep yeah. doing it, even when we're up by 40 points. All right, speaking of late, we are late. Let's take a break. The 49ers trying to get their revenge over the Chiefs for Super Bowl 54. Even with Christian McCaffrey in hand, it did not happen. We'll discuss that one next on this Monday edition of PFT Live, presented by Google Picks. Juju, uh, just you talked about Pat trusting you. This goes back to like the workouts you guys were doing in Texas in the offseason. Just kind of that a process and how it's evolved and where you guys are right now. Oh, man. Dude, you want to talk about like chemistry and trust? Yeah, so we started off in Dallas. You know, we worked out there. Uh, it was pretty cool. Pat got, Pat got his like own little facility. I'm like, damn, it's pretty cool, Pat. Pat got so we started off there. We came here, worked out in camp, built that chemistry. Obviously, preseason, camp. But I'm going to tell you what got us the chemistry what we needed this game so i think it was like yeah i think it was friday night it was me pat travis and uh mds we were playing call of duty together we're playing Warzone, and we played three games we won three games back to back and we got off we was like damn like it's really hard to win a game in in Warzone call of duty and you could just tell like the communication between all of us and like the chemistry was just like it was like we were in the game like he's there he's right there he's above he's right here and kind of just led into this game and kind of just showed on the field wow what a concept quarterback spending time with his receivers getting to know his receivers going above and beyond the call of duty pun intended to communicate and mesh with his receivers aaron Rodgers. you wonder you wonder. Kyler Murray loved sometimes. hearing that too. Ky- well, <laughs> Kyler Murray's true. about to get DeAndre Hopkins and Robbie Anderson and all those guys together. That's true. And do his favorite activity. And then he thinks it's going to translate to Sunday. Maybe he should play with Cliff Kingsbury too. So they won't have to have yelling matches on the sideline. Maybe that's the secret though. They start doing the thing Kyler does. It's the best way to get access to Kyler Murray. But things like that work. (laughs) Little ways that you develop trust and understanding. And you reinforce the relationship, the camaraderie, spending time together, getting to know each other, liking each other. It's basic human dynamics that some teams understand and other teams don't. The Chiefs understand it. And that's why... I was far less concerned about them losing Tyreek Hill than I was the Packers losing Devontae Adams because Patrick Mahomes spent the time. He was at the offseason workouts. They got together on their own time, something Aaron Rodgers did not do. He was, you know, exploring the whole ayahuasca fields in Peru or whatever, whatever, whatever was going on, going out, finding black Jedi robes that he could wear to post-game press conferences. You know, he wasn't getting to know these young guys that need – 
to feel like they know him and they can prove themselves to him and he can trust them. And it's little things like that that manifest themselves in those key moments. So the Chiefs, it was a close game for a while. It just shows you how a touchdown here and a touchdown there turns a close game into what looks like a blowout. 44-23, to the Chiefs are 5-2. and two. They head into their bye on top of the AFC West. Patrick Mahomes, 423 passing yards, three touchdowns, one pick. The pick was early when it kind of felt like maybe the 49ers were just going to run away with it. They were up 10 nothing. But, you know, the thing about the Chiefs, you got to score touchdowns when you can. You got to get in a position to deliver the knockout blow because the Chiefs are that basketball team that's going to go on an 18-2 run, and you never know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. And when it happens, you're going to be done, Miles. Yeah, exactly. And it's just one of those things where you understand what the Chiefs offense can do, right? This is an elite unit. And when you have guys that make you be able to convert third and 20 and third and six with a wide open pass in the middle of the field, which is something I don't really expect to see against the 49ers defense, but there's been some stuff going on there over the last couple weeks where that defense has not looked at like the championship caliber unit as it did a, a few weeks back. So, I mean, I bet they'll get right next week against the Los Angeles Rams, but that's a different story. But I think when you look at the Chiefs, right, and they have three, basically three receivers at 100 yards, Juju Smith-Schuster over that mark, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is over that mark, Travis Kelsey finished with 98 yards. So when you've got that kind of trio, and then you have McKinnon, and you have Hardman doing what he's doing as well, like that's where this unit really separates itself. It becomes elite. You know, you see the Andy Reeds of the world and the Eric B. Enemies. They kind of school D'Amico Ryans a little bit. And Ryans is a guy who used to play for Andy Reid. So, like, that's kind of a fun dynamic there, too. So, I just, I felt kind of nervous about the Chiefs going into this game. Some of my buddies who were Kansas City fans also felt a little nervous for them. But when the Chiefs show that urgency and they show that they can play like that, they can beat anybody. It really can. That that's the beauty of what happens when you have somebody like Patrick Mahomes. And yesterday was a great backs against the wall kind of litmus test for both teams. And I said the Chiefs need it more than the 49ers because the Chiefs yeah. now a game behind the Bills, tiebreaker two, basically two games they have to make up if they want to force the Bills to come to Arrowhead Stadium in the postseason. Chiefs need to keep winning. 49ers can get away with a couple of clunkers and still figure it out. And even though you throw in Christian McCaffrey, and I really do think, I, you know, there's a lot of tentacles and connections and connective tissue between Christian McCaffrey and Kyle Shanahan and, you know, the idea of F them picks and let's go all in and an opportunity presented itself. And here are the Rams sniffing around a great player again, and they may go get him. We better go get him first. But I, I really think, and Kyle Shanahan talked about this last week, watching the film of Super Bowl 54, he doesn't like watching that film. It's a reminder of what a great team oh they were and how they blew a 10-point lead with seven minutes left in the game. And I suspect he really wanted to beat the Chiefs. So you get Christian McCaffrey there. You use him. He ended up with 10 touches on the day, more than what we thought he was going to get. It was supposed to be a package of plays in the red zone. Uh, and, uh, and 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 somebody told me on Saturday night, watch, he'll get 20 touches because they just they won't. That's not red zone. They won't know how to not use him once they see what he can do. 
But the game got out of hand. Eight catches, or eight carries, excuse me, 38 yards, two catches for 24. Didn't do as much as he could have done, but did more than I thought he would do. And, yeah, you got the Rams coming up next. And uh, you got a chance to get McCaffrey more involved. And and for the 49ers, this is going to be about a late kick like we saw last year. They're, they're going to just kind of hang around and then find their groove. Get guys healthy. That's been the story of the 49ers the past few years. Too many injuries. Get some key players healthy. And then off you go and maybe you make a run. And McCaffrey wasn't traded for to make immediate benefits and win this game. I think that was just part of the short-term temptation. Long-term, he stays healthy this year he can help make a difference for them. Yeah, he, he certainly can. And especially when, you know, like you said, the Rams were sniffing around. The Rams at one point probably thought that they were going to get him, but then the 49ers had some more draft capital that they could spend. And frankly, I mean, I know how much the Rams loved Christian McCaffrey coming out of the draft. They they loved two players in that draft, right? Miles Garrett and Christian McCaffrey were a couple of their highest rated players. So they, they, they love that dude. And it doesn't surprise me that they were in um, potentially on that trade, even though uh, Christian McCaffrey's not going to solve all the 49ers problems, just as he would not have solved all of the problems with the Los Angeles Rams. And I think when you see some of the turnovers that Jimmy Garoppolo has, I mean, I put it out there last night on Twitter. Look, Joe Montana is not walking through that door. Okay. You know, you still have the limitations on you that are set by the quarterback. And when oh, he God, does here it things, is. this is it. This is, this away. is when the game here right. it is. Look at that. What is that? It's terrible, Mike. It's terrible. And that's the kind of thing that I'm saying. You, you have the limitations put on you by the quarterback. It's why they went out and they traded up to get somebody in Trey Lance in the first place. Because you see Jimmy Garoppolo make plays like that. You see Jimmy Garoppolo give the ball away when he's in the pocket later on in the game. And it's a critical fumble. You can't have those things happen. And so play at the high level that you need to be to win a championship. So, you know, I, I think it's a... I like the trade less the more I think about it for whatever reason. I don't know. I see why Christian McCaffrey is going to be an effective weapon for the 49ers, not just this year, but in the next couple of years. But like, this is the limitation put on you by your quarterback. Your quarterback makes boneheaded decisions. I just feel like for a team that has such a great structure and base and nucleus in place, when it comes time to polish things off, they have no idea how to do it and they get desperate and they do things that defy logic or common sense. And I think they get too caught up in the mistakes they've made in the past to allow themselves to feel even more desperate to get it right. If that makes any sense, we didn't evaluate or draft Patrick Mahomes. We didn't wait for Kirk cousins who I know you'll laugh most not you, but like, oh, Kirk Cousins. Hey, they'd have a they'd have a Super Bowl or two if they had gotten Kirk Cousins because he would have been perfect for that offense, and he wouldn't do the dumb shit that Jimmy Garoppolo does there. I said it at eight thirty six, um, a.m. Eastern. It's five o'clock. They they would have they would have a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins. They said no, Maybe. thank you to Tom Brady when he was ready to come play for them. That, and then they do me, this ridiculous. They'd have a Super Bowl if they had Tom Brady. I I yes. believe that more than I believe the Cousins thing. And, and then and then they do the ridiculous desperation Trey Lance trade that has yet to pay off any dividends whatsoever. And now they're putting a lot of eggs in this Christian McCaffrey basket because if he gets injured, and shocker, spoiler alert, running backs get injured. If he gets injured, they're going to look even stupider for having done it and given up four draft picks. You could draft four running backs 
with those picks who could a, a revolving door put a guy, especially that's the great irony here. The Kyle Shanahan offense is, is tailor made to create stars out of thin air. You get yeah. a guy who you can trust to hold on to the football. You can trust him in pass protection and you block for him and boom, you got a thousand yard rusher. Boom. Just like what, what Mike Shanahan did. Oh, you go from Terrell Davis to Orlando Gary to Mike Anderson. Just plug a guy in thousand yards, yeah. thousand yards. So now we're going to give up four draft picks and pay a ton of money to Christian McCaffrey. It doesn't, it really doesn't make sense, but I, I defer to what oh. Kyle Shanahan has generally been able to do. We'll see. We'll see. I, I'm not writing them off from yesterday. This is going to take some time. They're going to be a force. They get their guys healthy. We've seen that they can be dominant. They just got to win a game now. They've lost two in a row, and uh, they got to turn it around sooner than later, or they're going to be in Buccaneers, Packers, where the hell are we? The ship is sinking mode. Let's take a break. Tua Tonga-Valoa back. We'll talk about his night and his return 24 days after a scary concussion when this Monday edition of PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel, continues right after. How nice was it having your boy Tua back, man? It just seemed like the offense clicked a little better. You know what, man? Just having him out there, his mindset, his mentality, you know, his energy, man. Like, his whole approach to the game, man, like, is at a different level. And, like, guys around him feel that, you know. So, for us to have him back in there, man, you know, it brings it brings a certain edge to, like, each one of us. You know what I'm saying? I'm a smaller guy. You know, there like, there could be times, like, I got to block. Like, I had to block Dion Bush several times tonight. He was like, Reed, I need you to bring I need you to bring that mentality, you know? So just small things like that, man, giving me the reminder, you know, just being that leader, you know, because we all need leaders sometimes, you know. I lead in my way, he lead in his way, you know. So having him back out there was dope, man, for all of us. Tyreek Hill with Jack Collinsworth and Rodney Harrison. Sunday Night Football Final is available on demand on Peacock until 7 p.m. Eastern tonight. Okay, so Dolphins get a win. Quarterback situation, this carousel, this bizarre thing where they have Teddy Bridgewater and then they don't. It's Skylar Thompson. They have Skylar Thompson and they don't. It's Teddy Bridgewater now. Two is back. Uh, and I... It was just one of those strange nights where you wanted to see Tua take a few hits just to see, is he okay? Will he get up? I have yet to see a guy who's ready to protect himself. That's the difference. You can tell yourself all you want, Miles. I'm going to throw mm-hmm. away the football. I'm going to slide. I'm going to get out of bounds. But once you're out there, your instinct takes over. Competitiveness takes over. Right. You get caught up in the moment. And... No matter how badly you would like to do it differently, you're still going to play football the way you always have. And he should have slid right there. I don't know what he's thinking. That's a horrifying thought in that split second that he put his head down and dove forward. But that's what he does. That's what that's what football players do. He's thinking I got to get the first down there, you know, and it's third down. You're trying to move the chains. I get it. I understand it. But it's like you said, you know, you you can talk all about what you're going to do and what you're, you think you're going to do, and then you get out there and it's a different story. It reminds me of the, my grandfather always tells this story, a, a parable, whatever you want to call it. All right, he says, you know, a man went to the library. He read all of the books he could find about swimming and how to swim, and then he got in the pool and drowned. 
right? You, you have a plan. You can say everything that you want to say. You can do all the research. You can do whatever. But until you're actually out there and you have that experience, you might not do the things that you think you're going to do. Here's Tua and Mike McDaniel from after the game talking about the fact that Tua was taking more hits than he should have taken in his first game back. Wasn't trying to be Superman or a superhero out there. You know, I was just looking at the situation. The second one was a third down. Um, try to run and lower my shoulder, hope, hoping to, to get through the guy um, to get the first down. So that's all it was. It is football, and he's going to protect himself, and he's, he's got that component to his game where, um, uh, you, you know, he's a competitor and he's trying to get a first down for his team. So um, I'm never going to um, totally uh, – uh, encourage that at all I'm probably um, going to advise him to slide every time but when push comes to shove and a guy has his, the ball in his hands um, you know it's gonna it's gonna be tough um, to get him to completely turn it down although I will try yeah but he knows he's gonna fail We've seen this time and again. I remember when Mark Sanchez was taking too many hits and they tried to teach him how to slide. He didn't know, literally couldn't figure out how to slide. Mike Vick, same thing, won't slide, diving head first. I remember he he suffered a couple of broken ribs high up in the cage, diving into the end zone against Washington one game. You have to do what you can to protect yourself. That first down doesn't matter as much as your health short-term and long-term, and it doesn't matter as much as it does to the team to have its quarterback. I don't care that it's a first down. So what? We saw a bunch of punts last night. Oh, we didn't get a first down. Whatever shall we do? You have to protect your quarterback. You have to protect yourself, especially in that first game back. And, you know, in the build-up to that game, I I was particularly rattled by comments about his parents because I can relate to watching my son play high school football and scared every play. Is he okay? He's in the scrum of bodies. Does he have a broken leg? One, I remember one time he's laying flat on his face after a play and you run down to the field. I mean, you know, I, I feel for his parents. Two of his parents have to worry about this all the time, and I get the impression they really don't want him to play. I really do, based upon the things Tua said, both to Maria Taylor and in the production meeting with Chris Collinsworth and Mike Tirico. Collinsworth said last night, they asked him point blank, do your, players want, or do your, do your parents want you to play? And his response was, I don't know which tells me they don't want him to play. They just don't know how to properly say it to him. Yeah, I mean, and that's one of the that's one of the toughest things that you can probably go through as a player, right? Where your family wants something for you for your long-term health, but there's something in you that competitiveness that drives you toward the game. I mean, it's the same sort of mentality that probably is why he is diving and going at a head first for that first down where it's not really what you want him to do as a player, but it's that competitive nature that he has. That is why it's, it's a big part of why he's been as successful as he has in his history as a quarterback to be drafted in the first round, right. To, to win a national championship at Alabama. You know, these are the things that has made him who he is. And so you have to pair some of that back. It's not easy But like Mike McDaniel was saying in that clip we showed, you know, he's going to try because you have to have your quarterback for the long term there. So it's one of those dynamics that we're going to have to continue to follow. But 
I mean, it's not like Tonga Vailoa played the greatest game of his life. I mean, we were talking about it earlier, right, with the Steelers and the missed opportunities that they had on all those interceptable passes. Tonga Vailoa's got to play better in terms of throwing the football for the Miami Dolphins to really get to where they want to get to and let's be a playoff team in the AFC. Yeah, uh, but the good news is they they stopped the losing streak. They got a much needed win. Yeah. They're now four and three, from three and zero oh to three and three to four and three, and they keep moving forward in the AFC. We keep moving forward with the Week Seven Sunday Statement Draft. We'll do that when this Monday edition of PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel, continues right after. Quick, man, because we got a lot of game balls for this one. Okay. We'll start it off with Joe Burrow. 34 of 42. Damn. 481 yards. Three touchdowns passing. One rushing. Cincinnati Bengals getting the victory with the big day from Joe Burrow. Sunday statement draft time. Maybe we'll hear from Burrow in this. We already gave him some props and superlatives. We try to spread it around a little bit. Try to talk about games we maybe haven't gotten to. That's part of the the approach here in theory. We'll see in practice if it works. Miles, what do you got for me? Yes, thank you for telling the inside baseball of how we uh, try to choose things here. So let's go to a game that we have not talked about yet, and that's Raiders-Texans. The Raiders got the win, and Josh Jacobs, who has been outstanding over the last three games, is a big reason why. In the Raiders' last three games, Josh Jacobs has rushed for 144, 154, and 143 yards. So he had 143 yards, three touchdowns yesterday in that win over the Texans. And I saw a tweet from my buddy Paul Gutierrez of ESPN, which said that the, this is the first time a Raiders player has had three straight games, at least 150 yards from scrimmage and a rushing touchdown, which is kind of a baseball stat. But nonetheless, I mean, this is one of the storied franchises in the NFL. I kind of think the Raiders are the second best team in that division. And I think they're starting to figure it out under Josh McDaniels, what they're going to be for the rest of the year. So if Josh Jacobs is going to be that bell cow back that weirdly John Gruden and Mike Mayock envisioned, that might be the way how the Raiders can start getting more things in the win column. It doesn't sound like as much of a stretch calling the Raiders the second best team in the division now than it would have in August. In August, it's a different story. Now, though, with the Chargers being the Chargers and the Broncos, what they are, yeah, the Ra- and the Raiders are positioned well. Even though they only had yeah. one game, one win going into yesterday's game, they've got some, some winnable games coming up, and they punched it yesterday, and Josh Jacobs having a great contract year. I'm going to go with another game we haven't talked about yet. Tennessee Titans continuing their mastery of Matt Ryan in the Indianapolis Colts. It was uh, a sweep this year again for the Titans over the Colts. Derrick Henry, 128 rushing yards. We just kind of take that for granted. We see we see he has another 100-yard day. It's, ah, it's Derrick Henry. It's like, But it's still Derrick Henry, and it gets harder, not easier, the older you get, and he is still getting it done. And when he has a game like that, the Titans are going to win. And it reminds me a lot of last year where – We get so caught up in the Bills and the Chiefs and the sexy teams that are high-powered, high-flying, and the Titans just kind of grind it out, grind it out, grind it out, and the next thing you know, here they are competing for the number one seed. So uh, I'm not saying they're going to do that again this year because I think the Bills are going to be tough to overcome, but Titans are are looking pretty good. I mean, they got blown off the field by the Bills this year. Last year they stole one from Buffalo, so that's one big difference, but the Titans are still – a team to be reckoned with, and I think they like it 
when we don't pay attention to what they're doing. I would not be surprised by that. I love the attitude that Mike Brable's got with that team. I think he does an outstanding job. And look, it's another game where Matt Ryan looks like he's ready for the blue factory. But my second uh, Sunday statement will be Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks. And I could also say Kenneth Walker. Let's throw him in there too. Look, the Seahawks are playing with an edge right now. They are four and three. They're alone in first place. And nobody really expected that. But I think the fact that they've got Geno Smith playing as well as he's playing 20 to 27 yesterday for two touchdowns, had an interception, just over 200 yards. I mean, he is playing right now with some mastery of that offense. I love what they show. I love the attitude that they play with. And when Kenneth Walker is running the ball like he's running it, that just makes things easier for Geno Smith. But he right now is the pilot of that offense. And I love the way that they're playing. I am going to circle back to a game we've already discussed because I want to give love to Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard combined. They had to step up after the Christian McCaffrey trade. As I said earlier, if you were watching then, it's been a long time, so thank you. You've stuck with us. Despite our ineptitude, you've continued to wait and see maybe they'll say something that isn't completely stupid. about ineptitude. But, But that's fine. But. With McCaffrey gone, Foreman and Hubbard. Steve Wilkes, interim coach, knew they were good enough to do it, and they did it. Foreman had 118 rushing yards on 15 carries. Chuba Hubbard added 63 on 9. He was a little banged up afterward, but they think he'll be fine. Uh, We'll take a break. Round 3 of the Sunday Statement Draft right after this. All right, that's what we have so far. Sunday statement draft, one round to go. Miles, what do you have? All right, let me go with uh, Taylor Heineke and also uh, Terry McLaurin for the Washington Commanders because it just seemed like every single time they really needed to make a big play, especially late in that game, they were able to make it. And frankly, at this point, I don't know if this is what's going to happen and I don't know even if I would do it, but when Carson Wentz comes back, the commanders keep winning and they're winning like they did yesterday with uh, Heineke at quarterback. Who knows? Maybe you keep Heineke in there. Well, yeah, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see if they keep we'll winning. See. Heineke, Heineke yeah. made a comment yesterday along the lines of he played that game as if it was going to be his last. I mean, we've seen that from him before the playoff game against the Bucks a couple of years ago where he, it's not sustainable to play that way. It's, it's kind of reckless. Well, right. But, but, hey, it worked yesterday. I'm going to yeah. give one generally to the Dallas Cowboys defense. They needed to step up on a day that Dak Prescott was working his way back in. They held the Lions to six points. This is a team that scored 140 points in the first four games of the season. Two games since then, they have a total of six. Shut up by the Patriots. Six points against the Cowboys. The Cowboys defense. That is going to carry that team. Defense wins championships. Offense puts butts in seats, but defense wins championships, and that defense is looking pretty good. All right, speaking of the Patriots, Monday Night Football preview. We got plenty of time. Who you like? Oh, yeah, Patriots, Patriots. tonight, uh, 27 to 6. Who's the starting quarterback? Who's the starting quarterback? Bailey Zappi or Mac Jones? Mac Jones. Who? Mac Jones. I think it's going to be Zappi tonight. We'll find out. See you tomorrow. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? 
also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 